Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. If you'll open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22. what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. It feels good. Exodus 1 and 22, and Pharaoh charged all his people saying, every son that is born ye shall cast into the river and every daughter ye shall save alive. Now let's go to the next chapter in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi, And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed him with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river bank. I want to talk to you on this simple topic tonight, the atmosphere of expectation. The atmosphere of expectation. I wonder if there's anybody in this room right now that's expecting something great tonight. Is there an expectation in the room? I wonder if we could put down our Bibles and raise up an expectation of praise right now unto God. Lord, we give ourselves to you right now, Jesus. Lord, we open up this sanctuary to you right now, God. We pray that the word would go forward. In Jesus' name, we declare it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So, as a new dad, I have found a huge interest in the expectancy and the pregnancy process. I think it's so cool to have a baby in this day and age. There's just so many tools, there's different apps and websites that you can use that gives you all sorts of knowledge, and I just find it really interesting. They let us know exactly what's happening to the baby, when it's happening, and how we can compare it to like our everyday lives. Like, I found out in the third week of pregnancy that our twins were the size of vanilla bean seeds. Can't even see that. In the fourth week, they were the size of poppy seeds. And in the fourth week, that is when the cells that will soon make up the lungs, liver, digestive system, heart, bones, kidneys, and muscles start to divide. At four weeks old, that's happening. During the sixth week, the baby's head begins to form. The jaws, the cheeks, the chin are starting to be formed. And in the seventh week of the pregnancy, the baby is now 10,000 times bigger than it was at conception. 
10,000 times in seven weeks. Grace is right now on her 12th week of pregnancy with our twins. So right now they're the size of large limes or lemons. And in the 12th week of pregnancy, the digestive system muscles are actually starting to flex. My babies are flexing in there. Also, the bone marrow is starting to make up white blood cells that will one day help them fight off infections. What I found was so interesting is that in the process of them being formed, God made a way where they were already provided with protection against infections. He's already equipping my babies. When I think of all these things, I can't help but think of scriptures like Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Or verses like Psalms 139. I'm going to read it in the ESV. Verses 13 through 17. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. How amazing is it to think of the importance of the process of expecting. Now, this isn't necessarily a Mother's Day message, but it kind of goes together. I believe God has planted something within NPC that we are on the verge of bringing out. Is there anyone that believes that today? There is something within each and every one of us in this assembly that God is going to use in these coming days. God has put a seed into the soul of this church. And I wonder if there's anyone that agrees with me. Are there any expecting people in this room that says, I agree that there is something inside of me that is greater than me, that is coming out. And I can't wait to see what God has for me because inside of me is something that is amazing and it's going to come out and I'm ready and I'm willing for God to use me for greater things. Amen. Going back to our opening scripture in Exodus chapter 1, we see that Israel is advancing greatly in Egypt. Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 6 says, And Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding Mighty. And the land was filled with them. They were booming. They were doing great. Israel's influence in the government of Egypt had now died. All the ones who paved the way for the strength of Israel in that time had now gone on. However, Israel was not in a bad place after Joseph died. Verse 7 said that they were exceedingly abundant. They were multiplied and they were mighty. Jacob, the father of Joseph, had raised the nations of Israel to be strong, to be mighty, to be ready, to be fruitful. But now all of those men and women that paved the way and, uh, for the revival in their land had now died. But the fruit of their labor could still be seen. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. 
And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more mighty than we. Every side, they're stronger than they were. So now we see a new king coming to command over all of Egypt. And this new king's name was Pharaoh. Now the scripture let us know that Pharaoh never knew Joseph. He and never had a relationship with Joseph like the one before had, or like Potiphar had. Pharaoh didn't know what kind of man Joseph was. He never knew what kind of anointing he walked in. He never knew the gifts that God had given to Joseph. Pharaoh had never heard the uplifting story of the hated brother turned slave, turned worker, turned prisoner, turned ruler. He never cared about Joseph. Pharaoh saw an Israel that seemed a little too powerful for his liking. He didn't like the fact that Israel was mightier than him. He didn't like that there was more of the Israelites than the Egyptians. You see, the problem to Pharaoh wasn't that there were more Israelites. He just didn't want the Israelites to find out that there were more than them. Exodus 1 and 10, come on, let us deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them out of the land. Pharaoh was worried that God's people would find out what kind of power they really had. He didn't want them to figure out the true ability and the purpose that was inside of them. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to ever find out your purpose and who you truly are. He doesn't know, want you to know what kind of power rests inside of you. He wants to keep the church separated because a house divided cannot stand. He throws petty things at us so that we get our attention on the wrong things. He, he wants to divide you. If the church would ever get her bearings straight and see the power and the strength and the numbers and the anointing and the might and the intensity and the fear of the Lord that is on us. I want to God that there was someone here tonight that is tired of feeling less than, that is tired of feeling weak. The enemy wants you to feel little, but God has called you to be mighty. The enemy calls you less than, but God never called you normal. God never called you less than. He called you to be strong. He calls you to be mighty. Come on, I wonder if there's somebody that's feeling that tonight. That's why the enemy hates the people and the churches like MPC, because he hates the generations. You see, MPC stands as a generational stronghold to the enemy. He has a harder time breaking the barrier because generations before have paid the way. And the generations like you and me that are standing here today are keep pushing on. He doesn't want us to remember things like the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. You young people, he doesn't want you to remember the great revival that changed this nation. A movement that made its way to a little farming town in southern Indiana. That a man at the age of 17 named L.R. Uten came and started a little Pentecostal church in the middle of nowhere. That now over a hundred years is still standing. So that someday a young and dumb preacher by the name of David Gill can stand behind this pulpit and preach the truth. The devil doesn't want you to remember where you've come from because he knows the power that rests in it. The enemy doesn't want you to remember what God has done before because if you remember that, he, you, he knows that you will remember that he can do it again. Pharaoh didn't want the children of Israel to ever find that out. 
So he put down secular, secular strongholds throughout the land. He put down what they call treasure cities. Influencing cities. To influence those around them. And the Bible says that when Pharaoh tried to track down the Israelites, every time the Israelites would multiply right back. Every time Pharaoh attacked, Israel would get stronger. Every time he pushed, the God would push back. So what did Pharaoh decide to do? He enslaved them. He put them in bondage and in chains. Then Pharaoh spoke to the midwives of the Hebrews and he told them, I'm tired of dealing with you people over and over and over again. So when you see a child and it's born a daughter, you can let her live. But if there's a child and it's born a son, you kill the boy. Because I'm tired of this growing nation. But the midwives would not agree. So Pharaoh charged them in verse 22. He commanded that the boys now die. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 2, we see that there was a baby born unto a Levite man and woman, and they hid the boy for three months. We know this boy is Moses. They hid him until they couldn't hide him anymore. I could just imagine officers coming to your door, and as you're trying to hide that newborn baby, you know that if they find that baby, that that baby's going to die. But there was a mother that knew the purpose of the child. There was a mother and a father that knew that if they just could hold on for a little bit longer, that there was going to be an opportunity for that to present itself. Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river brink and his sister stood afar off to what would be done with him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. This mother had made a decision that she thought she would never have to make. You mothers, could you imagine giving up your child? Just putting it in a boat and sending it downriver. She willingly gave up her child to the river. The very river that Pharaoh deemed the river that they would kill the children. She willingly put her son in that river. But now we see that the daughter of the very one seeking to kill this child picks up the basket. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 6, And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, and she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. So the daughter of the king trying to kill this baby picks up the basket. She sees Moses crying and she has compassion on the boy. Then Moses' sister was there to ask the daughter of Pharaoh if she wanted a Hebrew mother to nurture the child. 
I love what the pulpit commentary has to say on this scene here. And I quote, No doubt all had been prepared beforehand by the mother who had selected the place and time of the exposure from a knowledge of the habits and character of the princess had set her daughter to watch and, so far as was possible, instructed her what she was to say. But Miriam at least carried out the instructions given her with excellent judgment and tact. She did not speak too soon nor too late. She did not say a word too much nor too little. Surely, exclaimed the princess, this is one of the Hebrew's children. Shall I fetch thee then a Hebrew mother to nurse him? The sister then being the rejoiner of Moses to his mother. The commentator later goes on to say, So the scheming of a loving mother and the skillful performance of the part assigned her by the clever sister were crowned with success. Moses' life was saved, and yet he was not separated from his natural guardian, nor given over to the tender mercies of strangers. The child went back to his own home, to his own apartment, to his own cradle, continued to be nourished by his own mother, and received those first impressions which were so impressed by the mind of the Hebrew family. What an amazing way to look at the beginning of the story of Moses. What the enemy tried to kill, there was a mother shouting, no, you're not going to have my child. Devil, you can't kill what this mother is expecting. You can't kill my baby. This mother knew that there was something powerful in Moses, that there was a purpose inside of him. And because of the acts done by the mother and the sister, Moses was able to learn truths like Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Moses would then hear those mighty giants that have gone before him. He would hear the words of Father Abraham and how God spared him and Isaac from being sacrificed. Moses would hear the stories of Isaac and how his son tricked him into giving up the birthright. Then how Jacob, the one who stole the birthright, had an encounter with an angel that changed his life forever. He would then hear about the mighty ruler named Joseph. You see, I believe that one of the reasons that Moses was so influential with the children of Israel is that he knew their history. He grew up in a household that taught the history of the nation. You see, most people, when they saw a grown Moses, they saw the Egyptian. But Moses had a mom who created an atmosphere for her child. You see, the daughter didn't even know it. But when she allowed Moses to go back to the mother's house, she allowed Moses to learn how to talk in and how to walk in and how to learn in and how to listen in and how to act in an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. He was allowed back into an atmosphere of God. He was taught the things that the Hebrews were taught. You see, the Pharaoh's daughter thought that she could influence Moses, but by sending her back to his mother, he was put into a place that God was impregnating him with purpose. That he was being impregnated in with expectancy. His mother created the very atmosphere that Moses would need to be the leader of millions to lead them out of slavery. Moses would know this atmosphere on a personal level only because of his mother. 
Moses would know this atmosphere he was in in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and said, Behold, and the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses knew where he was. He might have been fearful at first, but he knew what it was like to hear from God because he had a mother who prayed. So you parents know this, and you young people know this, that if you want to see revival in these last days, it is up to us. We need to create an atmosphere of expectation. Revival does not come through laziness. You cannot, cannot expect to see freedom and just sit there. If you want God to move in your life, create the atmosphere of moving. In your children's life, create the atmosphere. In your family's life, create the atmosphere. So what is the atmosphere of expectation? It's wherever the presence of God is. The only way the next generation will rise up and bring out the greatest revival that this world has ever seen is only through a mom and a dad that creates the atmosphere of expectation in the home. See, the presence of God is something unlike any other. That is why there is no God like our God. There is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like our Jesus. I cannot feel the presence of Muhammad when I walk into a room. I do not feel the presence of Buddha when I walk into a room. I do not feel the presence of any other God. But when I get connected into this church, when I walk through the doors, when I walk into my home, I feel the presence of God. Is there anyone that is feeling the presence of God in this room right now? When Jesus walks into the room, it is something different. You cannot compare it to any other God because there's no other God like him. Because when God steps into the scene, there changes things. God, put a burning in our hearts. Put a burning in this church for your presence. Luke chapter 1 verse 39 and Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the hosts of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. I have to think this is one of my most favorite stories in Scripture. It doesn't take a move of the heavens and the earth. It doesn't take a parted sea. It doesn't take a coming down of city walls. It doesn't take the thunder and the voice of God. It just takes someone who is willing to carry the presence of God with them wherever they go. Just someone who has the presence of God with them can change the world forever. Because of Mary, who is carrying the presence of God, we were able to have a John who can make away for Jesus in the wilderness see that's what's amazing about our God is that he uses people like you and he uses people like me that is not worthy whatsoever and completely uses us to change the world around us L.R. Uten probably had no idea what would happen because of him but because he was willing to get in the presence of God and because the presence of God was with him, you and I are here today. Just like Mary carried the presence of God, I call back to the scholar who said, like Mary carrying the presence of God, it echoes to that of David when he brought the ark back to Israel. 
And if I could, it even echoes back to a bedroom with a young Moses laying in his mother's arms as she prays over her boy, as she anoints her boy and says, you're going to do great things. Even though you're going to be in Pharaoh's house, you're going to be influenced by Egypt. You're going to be influenced by the things of this world. There is something inside of you that is greater than that around you. Are there parents that believe that for their children, praying over him, weeping over him, so that hundreds of years before the same God that was in the room with Moses is the same God that walked in with Elizabeth as a man Moses could only do what he was commanded to because he had someone in his life that was willing to bring the presence of God So years later as Mary raises her child the very presence of God walks the earth again much like it did when he walked in the garden with Adam. No one has ever shown the importance of expectation like Jesus. As the very presence of God walks the earth, there was a woman with the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 9. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within himself, if I may touch just the hem. If I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. You see, the woman had seen every doctor. She had tried every medicine. Every clinical trial, every experimental drug, she tried it. She tried everything. This woman had been struggling for 12 years. And nothing had changed her life until the very moment that she heard of a man named Jesus. At that moment, she made up her mind. If I could just get in his presence... When she heard about the man named Jesus, she learned about what miracles he had done. And Matthew says that she had made up in her mind. She didn't even have to make contact with Jesus. If I could just touch a piece of his clothing, I've made up in my mind. I've got the expectation. If I could just touch his clothes, I'm going to be okay. Every medicine failed me. Every doctor failed me. But if I could just get a hold of his garment, I know I will be made whole. I know that I will be made clean. It was the woman's expectation. She just needed the touch of his robe. I don't need to feel your touch, God. I don't need to hear your voice, God. But if I could just get in the same atmosphere as you, if I could just get a little closer to Jesus, I'll be healed. Sometimes we forget just the power of his presence. Just of Jesus stepping on the scene. What kind of relief there is. What kind of peace there is. What kind of strength there is. You see, we come into church and we feel like, I've just got to feel God touch me. I've got to feel his hand on me. I've got to feel him speak to me. But there is power when we walk into a church building like this and just feel the atmosphere. It's just the atmosphere of expectation. And the funny part of the story 
is that Jesus wasn't there to heal a woman with a blood condition. He was on his way to go raise a girl from the dead. He wasn't thinking about the woman in the crowd. He was thinking about the girl that he had to go raise. But then there was a woman who just touched his robe. Jesus, he was surrounded by crowds wherever he went. But the moment that the woman with expectation touched his robe, his attention turned. You see, it's a moment that when a child of God filled with expectation just gets a hold of the littlest bit of God. You want to get God's attention? You raise your level of expectation. You get in the presence of God. You get around people who are like-minded and create an atmosphere around you. You create an atmosphere. It is up to you to raise your expectation. And it is up to you what atmosphere you allow yourself to be in. When you bring your expectations, it gets the attention of God. In this process of Grace and I expecting twins, I've seen it and I've heard it from a lot of different sources that the best thing that you can do when you're expecting is to get around other people who are also expecting. Get around others who are going through what you're going through, who are expecting a similar thing. Mary showed us that in Luke chapter 1 when she saw Elizabeth. Because when you're expecting a miracle and you get connected with someone else who's also expecting a miracle, you begin to create an atmosphere of expectation that ushers in the Holy Ghost. You see, I would to God that if someone in this room that's expecting a miracle would get connected to someone else who's also expecting a miracle. And in your little circle, you would start creating an atmosphere of expectation. And you see someone else creating an atmosphere of expectation. And you would start ushering in the Holy Ghost into your homes and into your families. I wonder what miracles we would start to see. Things that we thought were impossible were now become possible because we have made an atmosphere of expectation. Because we know what God If you need a miracle in this place, I ask you this very question. Where is your expectation level at? Where is your expectation level at? Are we getting connected to other people who are expecting? Can we just lift our hands for a moment? God, I pray that you would move right now in this place. God, move us right now, God. Raise our expectations, Lord. Raise our mindset, God. Get our mindset on things in the supernatural, God. Lord, let us not worry about petty things in this natural world. But God, there are things that are going to be broken in the supernatural. You want that addiction broken? You want to impact your world around you? You want to see your lost ones be saved? Brother LeBannon, it doesn't surprise me that Simon and Cassidy were here this morning to hear their papa preach what he did this morning. Because I believe God is shifting some things in the supernatural. Yeah. 
I don't necessarily know what it is, but I don't have to know what it is. Because as long as I'm in the atmosphere of miracles, I'm all right. As long as I'm, if I'm in the atmosphere with a couple of my brothers and my sisters that are expecting some great things, I know I'm going to be okay. If I can have an upper room experience in Medora Pentecostal Church, you better believe I'm going to be there. If the doors are open to this church, you better believe I'm going to be here. Because if there's an expectation for miracles, you know I'm going to be here. You see, here's what happens when someone's expecting. You have to start walking a little different. You have to start acting a little different. You have to watch what you allow into your body. Some things are not fit for the promise that God has given to you. Some things God did not give you for your promise. Some things are poison to your promise. I wonder if there's anyone in this room right now that is expecting a miracle in this community and in your family and in our schools and in our jobs and in our youth group and in our life groups. Come on, is there anyone that wants something different? That You are not satisfied where you're at. You're not satisfied where your family's at because there is something more powerful. There is something better. There is something greater. Why not make this church a place of expectations so that anyone around that has a feeling of expectancy when they walk into this room and it changes the atmosphere? You see, Martha had some issues with her expectancy. In John chapter 11, we see Lazarus has now become very sick. And when Jesus was told of the condition of Lazarus, he actually just stayed right there, right where he was at. When Jesus was finally got up to see Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Gone. Hope gone. Martha got angry and upset, no doubt, when she saw Jesus. Could you imagine? You know, you've seen this man. Heal the sick. You've seen him do it before. You've heard the possibilities of Jesus. John eleven twenty one. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadn't been here, my brother wouldn't have died. God, if you'd only been here, if you'd only show up, if only you would have said something, why didn't you? Maybe some of you are in this moment right here, right now. Maybe your promise has died. Maybe it seems as though God was too late or he didn't show up in time. God, why'd you let this happen? How come you didn't say anything? Why weren't you there? Why? Why, God? Why? Why? Why did he die? Why did you allow him to die? Why did he get sick? Why did this happen? Why is this happening to me? Why have you allowed all these things to happen to me? Why, God? Why? Why? Let me remind you, church, that God will always show up when he needs to show up. You see, Jesus had healed many people from being sick. He hadn't raised many people from the dead yet. Lazarus wasn't going to be one of the many cases of Jesus just healing the sick. 
Lazarus was the opportunity for Jesus to show that he can raise the dead out of the grave. It doesn't always matter what you think. Martha, you thought he was late. You thought that it was too far gone. You thought it was a lost cause. But when the presence of God steps in, you see, sometimes we get in a mindset and we get into a place that we got to have people all around. I'm pretty sure there was all sorts of people around Lazarus in the grave when Jesus showed up. Jesus said, you got to get out of here. got to get out of here. Let it just be me and Lazarus. Because there is some times where you've got to make it off and just say, it's just going to be me and Jesus. When the presence of God steps in, when it's just you by yourself, something amazing begins to happen. When it's just me and my alone time with Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. When the Almighty walks onto the scene, crazy things seem not so crazy. Could you imagine those around you? The ones who wrapped up Lazarus' dead body. I know he was dead. I felt his body. He was cold. He was discolored. He was gone. He was starting to rot. He started to stink. But why is it that when I stepped out of the room and he stepped in, that now instead of one voice, I'm hearing two voices now. I touched his cold body, but I'm hearing someone step and walking around. I saw him lying there motionless, but now I'm hearing rapping come undone. Come on, somebody. Why is it that when Jesus walks in, and I don't only just hear the voice of Jesus, but I hear a voice that I thought I would never hear again? Why do I hear the rustling of two sets of feet and not just one? It's because there is an atmosphere in the tomb. There was an atmosphere of expectation. Even no one else had it, but Jesus had it. He knew that there was something amazing about to happen. Even when I have no expectation, I serve a God who has all the expectation that I need. This would be represented when another man would be in a tomb a little bit later. Let me tell you one more thing about the presence of God. It uses unorthodox methods. The presence of God is very unorthodox. Who was the first person to know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's Mary Magdalene. You see, this woman knew Jesus because earlier Jesus cast seven demons out of her. She was known as the harlot and the whore. But God saw her differently. To those people, just because God said that. God said she was made whole. But there were still people that looked at her. Thought, that's that girl doing weird stuff. She's still what she used to be. She's not changed. She still have dirty rags. She's still low down. She still doesn't mean anything. They knew Mary's history. But that is who God chose to spread the news of His resurrection. He chose Mary Magdalene. Not just the whore and the harlot, but she was a woman. 
Because in that day, women had no place. They had little rights. And they were treated poorly. But God said, that's her. That's who I choose. You see, the presence of God will tell you to do things that seem unordinary. But in the right vein, they're just exactly what this world needs. They're just exactly what your family needs. It's what your community needs. It's what your school needs. It's what your friends need. It might seem weird, but when God has ordained it, it will change lives. God is going to use you in ways that you never thought imaginable. Because of the one person that they called the whore, there were some people in an upper room who were waiting and they were praying. Man, talk about an atmosphere. And I would to God that someone would stand to their feet right now. And let's create that atmosphere right now. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Let's create an upper room atmosphere. If the music would come, we're going to create an atmosphere. Because he's still moving. He's still working. Because of someone that they thought was unworthy, God saw as worthy. And he saw as an avenue to a revival. He saw as a way to get the word out. Come on, somebody, raise your voices right now. I wonder if there was someone that says, God, make me that person. Make me that unorthodox way. Come on, shout it to your feet right now. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and he said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all thee that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men, they're going to dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The, sh the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that who shall ever so call on the name of the Lord. I need the presence of the Lord. I shall call on the Lord. When I'm hurting, I'm going to call on the Lord and they shall be saved. Y'all, I'm not going to let this place be dead. I'm not going to let this place just sit here, have mediocre worship, and have lukewarm praise. Peter stood with the 11 in the text. He wasn't alone. He had taken the advice of Mary and of Elizabeth. That's if you want a move of God you have, and you want the Holy Ghost to be poured out, you've got to get connected with like-minded people. You get connected with some people that agree with you, that agree with what you're expecting, that are expecting like-minded things. And because 
of this and what Peter had done, Peter would preach. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and to your children, and all to those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.